Welcome to AEM Early Access, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Injury is a leading cause of death and disability in people of all ages. We know that the triage of appropriate patients to level one trauma hospitals saves lives, and trauma centers then use hospital triage criteria to determine when to activate their full trauma team. Today we're talking about a new paper in AEM entitled Predictive Accuracy of Adding Shock Index to the American College of Surgeons Minimum Criteria for Full Trauma Team Activation. First author, Dr. Taylor McCormick, is here to discuss it with us. Dr. McCormick is an assistant professor of emergency medicine at Denver Health and the University of Colorado. She's completed a fellowship in pediatric emergency medicine and a master of science in health policy and management research. We're thrilled to have her here today to discuss this paper. Don't forget to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Dr. McCormick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's talk first about the way things are, and then we'll get into what your study might change. So how does proper triage to trauma centers and trauma team activation affect outcomes in severe injury? And what kind of factors are we weighing when we make these decisions? Yeah, so uh, first I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page as far as definitions go. So um, field trauma triage refers to the decision about whether or not an injured patient needs a trauma center. And then once it's been determined that the patient needs a trauma center, in-hospital or trauma activation triage determines whether the full trauma team is going to be activated and present on patient arrival. Um, so we know um, from abundant observational data uh, that transporting severely injured patients to trauma centers and appropriately activating the full trauma team improves outcomes, including mortality. Um, but the goal is obviously to match injury severity and resources. Um, so we want patients that will benefit from the full trauma team activation um, to get those full trauma center resources, but we don't want to activate the trauma team for every ground level fall with a Collie's fracture. Mm-hmm. Um, because those resources are diverted from caring for other patients in the ER um, and throughout the rest of the hospital. And then there's also considerable cost associated with trauma team activation. Um, And depending on the practice setting, it might mean bringing people in from home that are supposed to be working the next day. Uh, And then, of course, there's the all too common uh, squabble between the ED and the trauma team Mm -hmm. about appropriate management of the patient when there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Understood. So the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma, uh, which is the verifying body for national recognition of trauma centers, so they currently mandate the use of six minimum criteria, ACS-6, for full trauma team activation. Can you tell us about what these are? Yep. So that's hypotension, gunshot wounds to the neck or torso, GCS less than nine, respiratory compromise, transferred patients receiving blood transfusions in route, and physician discretion. And the Trauma Quality Improvement Program tracks trauma team activation under and over triage for all trauma centers. So what criteria do they use to judge this? And and why might this be less than ideal? Um, Yeah, so the T6 
TQIP requires that any um, ACS verified trauma center monitors their um, over and uh, sorry their trauma activation under and over triage using the injury severity score of greater than 15 as a definition of severe injury. Um, this is probably less than ideal um, given that injury injury uh, injury severity scores are calculated at discharge and don't necessarily reflect resource utilization um, or interventions. So. You can imagine a patient with a closed long bone fracture, a face facial laceration, um, and a small subarachnoid hemorrhage um, will have an ISS over 15, but not require any intervention from the trauma team at all. Mm. Uh, conversely, a patient with a stab wound to the abdomen who's immediately rushed to the OR for repair of his cecum laceration um, may have an ISS as low as nine, but would clearly benefit from the full trauma team activation mm -hmm. um, and a trauma surgeon at bedside on arrival to get him to the OR as fast as possible. So in light of this, there have been more interve uh, intervention-based definitions of trauma team activation need proposed, but they haven't been broadly adopted yet. Are there other standards for mistriage in terms of trauma team activation? Like what are, what are we shooting for in terms of parameters for over and under triage? Great question. I don't think there's a super clear-cut answer for that. Um, the There are published goals for field trauma triage, and those are less than 5% under triage and less than 35% over triage. And those correspond to like a less than 95% uh, uh, sensitivity and a 65% specificity. Mm -hmm. um, and those, those sort of benchmarks are often applied to in-hospital triage as well. Um, a face value that seems very reasonable for field triage, you know, prioritizing sensitivity over specificity makes sense. And I don't think any of us would want more than 5% of severely injured patients uh, transported to non-trauma centers if we can help it. Um, but whether or not those are the right targets for in-hospital triage is debatable. So you know in your paper that the ACS-6 criteria alone are not adequately sensitive to identify patients who might benefit from full trauma team activation and I'm going to quote, trauma centers are encouraged to use additional criteria to identify patients who may benefit from trauma surgeon presence in the emergency department. So what are these other criteria that they suggest that maybe we should use? And why is your favorite the shock index? <laughs> Um, I, uh, take no money from shock index and I have no <laughs> stock in it. At my institution, like many others, trauma activation criteria, uh, tend to get added in a rather unscientific way, um, usually in response to a bad case mm -hmm. or series of bad cases. Um, I became interested in shock index because our trauma surgeons came to us with, um, some rather compelling data that suggested if we had added shock index to our trauma activation criteria, we would have, um, quote, caught many of the uh, under-triaged cases from the past six months. Um, and our gut feeling was sort of that this was going to result in a bunch of over-triage and false positives and false positive activations. But um, knowing that we had an existing, very robust data set to look at this in lots and lots of patients, um, we thought that might be a good place to start. All right. So your study's goal was to determine the predictive accuracy of the shock index using initial vital signs obtained by pre-hospital personnel in isolation and when combined with the ACS-6 to identify severe injury and the need for surgical intervention in adult trauma patients. So tell us a little bit about how you went about doing that, your, a little bit about your methods and your study design. Sure. Um, so we conducted a secondary analysis using this pre-existing data set that I mentioned that had been created for similar purposes and contains 
um, trauma registry data combined with patient outcomes um, that had been obtained through pretty rigorous chart um, abstraction methodology. So the cohort um, included a consecutive sample of Denver Health Trauma Registry patients um, from 1993 to 2006. Missing pre-hospital vital signs were replaced by ED vitals, and we calculated shock index by dividing the first available heart rate by the first available systolic blood pressure um, in the record. And then we calculated the sensitivity and specificity for the ACS6 alone and in combination with shock index thresholds of 0 0.8, 0.85, 0.9, and 1 for each outcome that we studied. And what was your primary outcome? And I think you had multiple secondary outcomes. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, so we used the same primary outcome from the original study, which was a composite of emergency, operative, or procedural intervention. Um, to meet that primary outcome, patients had to either be taken to the OR by a trauma surgeon within an hour of arrival or had a cricothyrotomy, a thoracotomy, or a C-section in the ED. And this is obviously a really strict definition of trauma activation need, but we felt it really sort of drills down on the patient's that had the highest potential to benefit from the full trauma team activation. But then in order to make our sort of results more broadly useful and comparable to other studies, um, we included secondary outcomes of ISS greater than 15, which traditionally represents severe injury, ISS greater than 24, which uh, represents critical injury, urgent operative intervention, defined as operative intervention by a trauma center within four hours, and then a combination of that emergent, um, emergency operative or procedural intervention or an ISS greater than 15, um, which was chosen to try to capture all the patients with severe multi-system injury plus severe single system injuries. So let's talk about your results. Looks like you included 20,872 patients, consecutive patients over 15 years old data from 1993 to 2006, and you were looking at shock index thresholds of greater than or equal to 0 0.8, 0 0.85, 0 0.9, and 1. So let's start with your primary outcome, emergency surgical or procedural intervention within an hour of arrival, um, which we mentioned before would be the crike thoracotomy or a C-section. Uh, what did you find? So um, for that primary outcome of EOP, what we refer to as EOP, um, the ACS6 alone had a sensitivity of 86% and a specificity of 81%. If you add the lowest shock index threshold of 0.8, um, the sensitivity increased to 95%, but with a bigger drop in specificity down to 52%. And then if you added that highest shock index threshold of 1, the sensitivity went to 90 with a specificity of 72. All right. How about for your secondary outcomes? So I don't want to like rattle off a ton of numbers because I don't know how useful that will be for, for listeners, but basically we found the same trend for each secondary outcome, which was a you know significant increase in sensitivity and a bigger drop in specificity across um, all thresholds and all outcomes. Um, importantly, um, given that it's the most common outcome used to evaluate trauma triage, the sensitivity of the ACS6 alone for ISS15 was only... 58%, uh, and even adding the lowest shock index threshold of 0.8 only increased the sensitivity to 73, with the specificity dropping below 60. All right. So so this is the first study to evaluate the effect of adding shock index to the ACS6 for a full trauma team activation. So what do you think that we should take away from these results? Uh, yeah, I think... First of all, we confirmed that the ACS6 alone don't meet our goals um, really for any outcome that we use um, in trauma triage. Um, I think 
Uh, secondly, we showed that shock index at any threshold is not going to be the magic solution um, when combined with ACS6 alone. Um, so basically the study just shows that there's more work to be done here. Um, I do think for sort of practicing ED physicians, um, shock and elevated shock index does identify patients, um, with severe injuries that were missed, missed by the ACS6. Um, so I think our concern for severe injury should be greatly increased when we notice that the heart rate is close to or higher than the systolic blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's obvious and sometimes that's not. So I think that's sort of a, um, a practical takeaway to, you know, pay extra close attention to those patients, get them to CT faster, put a few more resources on them. All right. So what do you think needs to come next before we can implement adding shock index, make it the ACS seven? Well, the biggest limitation to this study um, and many trauma registry-based studies is selection bias. So if you're only studying the patients that make it into the trauma registry, you're probably going to have an accurate sensitivity estimate, but because the uh, patients that got sent home and never make it into the trauma registry um, are also are sort of excluded from this population. The specificity estimate is probably very inflated. Mm-hmm. So I think what we really need to do next is study this sort of in an all-comers population and probably in combination with um, a two-tiered trauma activation system, meaning if patients meet baseline trauma alert criteria, if that's what you call it, where you are, then maybe including the shock index to bump it up to a trauma activation is something that probably needs to be looked at. And then I think we also need to see how it performs in kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's much more to come. I don't think this is practice changing yet, um, but I think we should all be on the lookout for what comes down the pike. Uh, we will be. So thank you so much for your work and for coming to talk to us about it today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Gita. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. The full text of this article is available on our blog at brownemblog.com, open access for a limited time. Check out all of our podcasts on iTunes. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.